This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the TSN MMA Show. We've got a UFC 236 preview. Myself, Joe Valtellini. Joe, thanks for doing this. No problem, man. Love being here. So, du- yeah, this is one that I'm interested in your take on, which is Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway. And, of course, whenever I can pick your brain on Israel Adesanya, I like doing that as well. Yeah, that's the one I'm uh, most excited for. I'm not going to lie, because I know Israel, and I've seen him fight. I've called him fighting kickboxing, so I'm riding heavily on Adesanya to be the interim. So those are the uh, the heavy, the uh, main and co-main event. Um, and I'm going to play devil's advocate, because I actually think Ga- Gastelum is going to win that fight. Okay. And I want to hear your two cents on why you think Adesanya is going to win. So why don't we start with that one? I mean, you've called Adesanya's fights in the past in glory. You know what we're going to get from Adesanya. Um like I mentioned, I spoke to him after the Anderson Silva fight, and I said, what do you think you could have done better? And he told me basically exactly what you had told me he could have done better. Yep. So I thought Self-Paul that was very interesting. Kicks. Yep. So uh, let's go ahead. What, what Distance has, and range. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the key over Gastelum because Gastelum's tiny. Fighting, has, fighting is, yes, you can talk of it being about punches, kicks, and knees, but the number one most important thing about fighting and the most successful fighters in the world know how to manage and control distance. And that is my answer. I don't need to tell you anymore. It's his ability to control distance. Him being taller, him knowing how to use his footwork, him being able to switch stances to keep that distance. It's going to be a really, really tough night for Gaslam. Gaslam's going to have to use his wrestling. All right. So, but so, from that long range, it's going to be really hard for him to try to close that. So I think it's going to be really, really tough. I don't think it's going to, he's out of sign, it could blow Gaslam out of the water, but it's going to be a really tough night for Gaslam with that range and reach. So out of sign is not necessarily a guy who strings together a big combo. So if I'm Gastelum, and Gastelum's got really fast entry punches. He's really good at, at entry. Yep. If, if I'm Gastelum and I can get some good entry punches, and he's willing to take a punch because his chin is unbelievable. If he's able to take Adesanya down, even once, that's problematic. And I think that yeah. it, from a 1 to 10 in terms of trouble, Adesanya's like probably at an 8.5. Yeah. He's not in like Damian Maya trouble or like, you know, like world-class jiu-jitsu trouble, but he's in big trouble if Gastelum's able to get him yeah. down for, at any point in the fight. Well, I think it's the hope that it doesn't get there. But if it does, hopefully near the end of the round, but he's dominated with the striking. But what Adesanya is going to do is he punches on angles really well. So uh, against someone like Gaslam, he's going to really have to use his up jabs really well, which he's phenomenal at using. He's going to have to use his uppercuts, and he's going to have to keep fainting and staying long. And I think he's got good knees, too. I mean, that could be dangerous because that can be the well, grab that Gaslam yeah, needs for the wrestling. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... His range and his ability to punch on angles, I think, should do it. Yeah, like if you're out of sign, you're probably going to show the knee a lot. Just, to, like, just to make him think. Yeah, just make the up knee. jabs, mix, you know, feints. And I think it's that up jab, man. Adesanya does it so well. He throws his punches underneath the sight line. So if my hands are here and they're up, he'll throw it from underneath so you can't see it. Even with kickboxing, he did it really well. And he baits you into things. So it's like, oh, Gassim's really good. He's a southpaw. He's going to throw that big bomb left hand. He's going to encourage Gaslam to bomb with that hand so he can catch him underneath or hit him or capitalize and counter. But the issue, like you said, is Gaslam has to follow up. He can't if he if Gaslam thinks he's going to win with a single punch, that's not going to happen. He's going to have to throw that punch, continue to throw, go into the takedown, and just keep moving. Yeah, like, that's that's what I think his strategy will be: jab, 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 takedown, jab, 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 takedown. But when when all of a sudden Israel Adesanya mixes or feints an uppercut, that jab, jab, and like, whoo, he's going to reset, move, but. Um, I think the five rounds of Gaslam can kind of wear him out against the cage a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to say it's an easy fight for Adesanya. I just think it's one that he's really capable based on his striking. You think he could get a finish? Side. I mean, Gaslam has never been finished by strikes, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's been submitted before I think Adesanya has the ability to finish anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, has Gaslam fought anyone like Adesanya is the question, too. Well, let's, I, I mean, I can't say that he's fought anybody like Adesanya, but let's pull up... Uh, Pull up his uh, his record here, just so I, I make sure that there's um, I'm not missing any. I mean, he, he's about Bisping, which I think is not really a good comparison, but in terms of striking acumen, Bisping is probably up there with uh, some of the best in at middleweight. Yeah, he hasn't really fought a lot of striking based fighters in his wins. I mean, Uriah Hall, who he beat at the Ultimate Fighter finale, uh, Vitor Belfort, who he beat, is probably a more striking based yeah. fighter. Uh, but then but you look at striking, but then there's Adesanya type of yeah. striking. Well, there's, right? I mean, like, it's hard even to... Gaethje, like it's different. Like it's it's his unorthodoxness. It's his not standing there. You think he's there, but he's not. Then he counters. It's that type of thing. Yeah, Anderson's probably the only comparable. The only in, in the comparable division. one. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, it's that we don't style. Have that. It's not necessarily because Gaslam got away a lot of times from being an aggressive southpaw. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people don't know how to fight southpaw, but if you're an experienced striker with a hundred kickboxing fights, you've seen. You know, 50, probably 25 to 50 southpaws. And the thing is, Adesanya can fight both stances, so that southpaw advantage that Gaslam has against some of those other strikers, he won't have against Adesanya. Absolutely. Well, I mean, he's on a bit of a roll, Gaslam. He's won five of his last six. One was overturned due to marijuana, and the other is that loss to uh, Weidman. That submission loss where size really played a factor. But, like, even when you see it, which, again, credit to Gaslam, like, when you see him... With another middleweight. He's tiny. He's tiny. Tiny. It is crazy to see. So, I mean, I love to see that because, man, you got to have a big cojones to go in there and look up at someone who's two feet taller than you and go in there and knock them out. So, I mean, it's just incredible. Either so, that or you just have to hate cutting weight as much as Kelvin Gastelum does. <laughs> but <laughs> he uh, doesn't look great, man. When I saw Adesanya look down on him, I was like, man, that's a big reach advantage. And Adesanya knows how to use it. So, right away, that to me is like... I mean, Stefan Struve, you look at that, but he doesn't know how to use distance control. But Adesanya does. So I think it's going to be really, it's, it's going to be a tough fight. It's going to be great. I'm going to pull up Jacare because I want to see what the, the range difference is for Jacare. So Jacare is 6'1. Let's see what his reach is because that's, that's something I'm, I'm interested in, uh, in comparing. Because his reach. Based on He's, the UFC. Last one, 72 inches. And I think Adesanya is in the 80s or something. So I'm it's look 80 at, right on. Is it, it's 80? It's okay. based on the UFC's stats yeah. I'm looking at. So he's, and, and how tall is he? 6'2? He's 6'4. 6'4, okay. So Where Gaslam's 5'9 with a reach of 71 and a half. Wow. So we're talking so about. Eight and a half inch yeah. reach. And I mean, Gaslam's reach is actually probably pretty long for his height. But, and uh, they have leg reach too. Yeah, they started to have said, leg reach yeah. So what's the leg reach for uh, so in these Gaslam two? So Gaslam is 39.5 inches. This is going to be fun to, watch, to hear. It's not as big as the arms. Okay. And leg uh, 44 and a half for Adesanya. That's still pretty long, though. Yeah. When so five about, inch. Yeah. Five hmm. inch difference. Five inch on legs, and we got eight and a half on the arms. And I think Neil Magny is one of the longer guys that Gaslam's fought, and he lost a split decision to him, and that's at 170. Um, Magny's 6'3", and I know he's got a fairly long reach, if I'm but not I mean, mistaken. But I mean, to me... Reach stats on your punch mean nothing to me. Mm-hmm. It's how you use the it's reach. It's how you yeah. use the reach. It's your timing. Because look at Stefan Struve. Who yeah, we've that's what about I just said. Times. But I mean, like visually, if I throw a jab with my shoulder back, I'm not going to get much reach. If you're a short puncher, if I don't fully extend my elbow, you're losing two, three inch reach. So if Adesanya doesn't fully extend his elbows when he punches, which most fighters do, they don't know how to do fully extension. They don't turn their shoulders enough. They don't turn from the body. Tall fighters with big reach don't use it properly. So you got to technically and timing-wise and distance control all play a factor into those two. So what do you think is Kelvin's best path? Like if you if you pressure, were to say pressure, okay, get and, in and there. And that's what Kelvin pressure. does. He's really good at pressure. Yeah, I mean, but he has to pressure intelligently. Don't just pressure from the outside. Like if he's going to be on the outside and try to loop one of those big hands, it's not going to happen. He's got to close distance with his feet and then do the work on the inside. I mean, the key is you got to get Adesanya's back against the cage. You got to be tracking him. But when you close distance on someone like Adesanya, you got to close it with a tight guard. Um, that shell, that Justin Gaethje shell, where you pressure in, you get close, then do your work from there. Try not to throw your big bombs from the outside because the timing of Adesanya is too good. The example I give Jose Aldo versus Conor McGregor. Aldo got too excited, tried to attack from the outside. So much distance, Conor just caught him coming in. So you have to close distance before you attack. That's the and key. I think Conor must have seen something in the past that would lead him to believe that that was the strategy. Well, I mean, Conor draws you in and counters. Adesanya is really good at that too. So, I mean, Gaslam just needs to stay tight a little bit closer in. Even kind of what um, we saw Anthony Pettis do. He didn't open up from long. He closed his distance tight with his guard, countered with his kicks. He closed the distance before he punched. So, I mean, that's the, the key here for Gaslam. And uh, looking at Dustin Poirier, um, this is a good matchup, too. He's got wins over his last three, Alvarez, Gaethje, Pettis. Those are it's a really solid resume, obviously. And then uh, he's up against Holloway now. And uh, Holloway, I think, is going to be a tough matchup for him because Holloway's a tough matchup for any human being on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. That weighs 145 or 155 pounds. Yeah. How and are you seeing this fight? I think Holloway's going to win. Yeah, um, I, but the problem is I can't tell you I how. Like Poirier, too. Though. Like, I can't tell you how because I think Poirier's going to have a good, pa- like, good power. I think on the ground, Poirier's better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that Max is, he's really, yeah, in terms of pressure and volume and countering, he's gotten to a point now where, like, you'd have to really, 
be able to sell me on somebody who can do something better than Max Holloway, like yeah. can do better he than pressures, Max Holloway. He controls your hands. It's hard. But to control hit. is also big for him too because he's always willing to fight at. Like he's always able to bait his opponent to fighting at whatever pace Holloway wants to fight at. Like Gaethje's able forces to forces you. Yeah, like Gaethje's able to to push that one pace, that one like in the fifth gear, whereas Holloway's able to to get from first to third gear really fast, and he, he'll lull you into a, a sense of like a false sense of security, and then he'll turn it up, and then he can slow it down, and then he can turn it up, and then he can turn it up even higher. Like that's kind of what Holloway's mo is, and I think that he's really good at that. And we've seen uh, again, like I mentioned. Uh, in our previous episode about um, Edson's CPU getting overloaded. Yeah. We've seen Poirier's CPU get overloaded as well. And we've seen him freeze up when he's he gets into trouble. And against a guy like Gaethje, I don't think he was ever in any real trouble. I think he was able, because he, of but how he predictable the pace... Kicks, though, oh, right? for sure. He took some big for, ones. Absolutely. And he showed that afterwards. But I don't think it was anything that he didn't expect. Yeah. yeah and I don't think it was anything sure. he didn't think he could handle. And same with Alvarez. I don't think it was anything... But if you watch the first Alvarez fight... Before that illegal knee landed that, that uh, caused it to be a no contest for Alvarez, there was a part where Alvarez caught him and he looked like a deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. And those are the moments where Poirier has lost fights against Michael Johnson, against Connor. Like those are where he has lost fights, is when he starts to get a little bit overwhelmed and yep. doesn't have time to react. And Holloway is the, the king exact type. That. He's the king yeah, of getting king yeah. of frustrating you, getting yeah. in your face, pressuring and you. And that's yep. where I think he's going to have his best success in this one. Yeah. Now, Poirier has also, got some good boxing. Like, Poirier's he's got some beaten hands. Holloway before. Yeah, and that, that could that's be a many, mental many edge, but that ago, was right? like a twenty-year-old Max Holloway, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I think that the amount of improvement that both these guys have shown since then is is huge. But Max, from where, like, I don't think there's a single fighter in UFC history that has gotten as good as Max from his first fight to where he is now. Yeah, I agree and with that. keeping in, in mind how young Max is, like how old is Max? Max is 27 years old still. Like he's still not even in his prime yet. Yeah, Like it's, it's a scary thought as to how much better Holloway can be getting camp after camp after camp. Uh, not to say that Poirier is that old. How old is Poirier? is 30 and just turned 30. So Poirier is in his prime right now. And we've seen how much better Poirier has gotten. And he's at ATT, and he's training with a lot of the best guys. He trains with Colby a lot in terms of his wrestling, although I don't think that's going to be a very big threat here. Mm-hmm. Um, trains with Masvidal, who I think is a solid comparison to, to Holloway in terms of that style of pressure. But uh, I just think that there are things that Holloway is going to be able to do to Poirier that, he's, that are going to fluster him. And that streak, the momentum, the confidence that he has. Man, you're on a 13-fight win streak. Yeah, like, right. That and now you have confidence. a chance to win a belt in a second division. Yeah. Like, that's huge. Honestly, so, I mean, Holloway right now has the, the trajectory to become the best ever. And the yeah. crazy thing about that is, like, how many yeah. losses he has. Like, how many losses does he have? On, he has three losses. Three. Yeah, 20, 20 wins, three losses. And usually when people lose three that early in their tenure in the UFC, it's like, there's no way this guy's going to be yeah. the best ever. But look at what Holloway's done, and look at how he's done it, and, and how he consistently... Like, look at how he just decimated Jose what's the, Aldo. What's the win fights. streak record? Was it DJ was, what, 16, 17? Like, overall win streak? Yeah. I think he's up there. Let's see, longest win streak, UFC. I think George is up there. Or was George more title? Consecutive wins. Here, let's see. Consecutive wins. George and Holloway are tied at 13. John Jones, 15, and that's still going. Yeah. Um, unless you want to count, like, a no, whatever the no contest. But that that's considered to be a, a win streak. And Silva is 16. So Anderson Silva is the number still to be number at 16. One. And I think that Holloway... The problem is, if Holloway faces Khabib, that's, that's, the that's one. a tough matchup. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that he can't beat Khabib, and I think that Khabib was such a big favorite over Holloway the last time around because Holloway was taking that off the couch with an injury, like w- acknowledged that he had an injury, and of, of course the commission made him stop cutting and he wasn't able to get that fight, but like Holloway could be a bad matchup for Khabib too. Yeah. Like if, you like, talked about that a while ago. Yeah. You've always said he can be one of the, the toughest matchups. Yeah, I thought that the value on Holloway in that last matchup was insane. Like I just thought that Holloway... If he can control the the striking and control the distance and and but again I think that uh, we've seen Holloway get taken down and Khabib is the king of that and Khabib's gonna be a lot bigger yeah. but uh, still Holloway is, has the ability to beat anybody in the UFC he's that good yeah I I'm just uh, anytime he fights I'm just excited he's one of those fighters that I like to watch but I love brings to. it his pressure I I think he's one of the best like you're saying I think we're gonna be talking about him for a while. Yeah, well, if he can beat Khabib, he'll he'll be the best. Ever. I, I, what, what got me crazy thinking was like how his last UFC. I watched the UFC countdown, and he's snowboarding fight week. Yeah, how does the UFC allow that? Yeah, I don't know. Like I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> it was in my contract. No high risk activities like during when your fight is booked, kind of thing. Well, as we how know, how is he snowboarding 
fight week. That is insane to me. Well, as we know, in Hawaii, you snowboard year-round. So, I mean, that's he has a lot yeah. of experience there. I have no clue how they – and they filmed it like it was no big yeah. deal. In oh, we're just yeah. snowboarding. I'm going to fall, and I'm going to hurt my and knee. And he's done axe throwing and stuff, too, during fight week, uh, if I'm not that, mistaken. Okay, like maybe better than snowboarding where you can't control hitting a little bump and falling. And yeah. you're probably not good at it, you know? So, I mean – and then you saw what he did to Ortega, and it's like, oh, oh. man, I know. So maybe it's it? a it like, luck I think thing. it was 290 plus significant strikes over the course of four rounds. It's absurd, yeah. absurd volume, yeah. especially accuracy. Like, how, like, like I'm going to go. I think take I a just look. checked 46 percent. 46 percent significant strikes. 46 percent. And in that one matchup uh, against oh, Ortega. Oh no, just no, just in general. About, let's see, Holloway fight metric, which is now landed UFC per minute 6.9 significant strike. Just against Ortega, I want to see. So he landed 290 significant strikes. And he threw 490, so 60 percent of those strikes he was landing pretty much. That's and to throw 490 significant strikes over the course of four rounds is insane volume. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah. That's like 120. That's, that's 120 significant strikes thrown per round. And defensively, he scores really well because his high volume shuts down his opponent's offense. Well, because so it forces it them into high volume. Yeah, and, and uh, it also pressures them. And and he kind of like compresses their boxing so you can't really hit because you're fighting backwards and your punches are are shortened so it works for him and Poirier's had a good amount of volume too like Poirier against Alvarez lasted less than two rounds he landed he, he threw 115 significant strikes so it's not quite as many as like yeah. I mean the amount that's basically the amount that he threw in one round against yeah. Ortega yeah. but uh but overall yeah. it, it looks like they're based on volume it's not big much of a difference because Poirier will go and Poirier hits harder I would say but uh, then again, that volume. But then again, Holloway at one fifty-five. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. But Holloway you always think harder. like, I've always wanted to fight Nick and Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm. Always wanted to fight because I'm like, how are people having problems with the the slap punches? There's not a lot of power. But I think a lot of it's mental. It's that yeah, mental one. It's that volume hitting where it's like ding, 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 and they accumulate with time. Like mm-hmm. I remember sparring years ago when I was 19 years old. I sparred with Antonio Carvalho, and again. I was always that guy that was like, oh, I got to go in. I got to do it. And Antonio lit me up. I was 19, just started kickboxing. think I was so cool. But he kind of did these like rabbit punches. And my head was snapping. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get knocked out. I thought I was going to get knocked out from those little repetitive rabbit punches. Like, I get it. I get it now. You know why they add up and build up. Well, a crazy example of that I watched yesterday was the Rory versus Robbie too. I watched yesterday. Okay. And the big split lip. But the whole fight is them fighting at like like let's say this is the pocket. They're fighting like just basically at this side of mid range. No, they're fighting it. They're fighting basically in mid range. And all they're doing is hitting each other at the end of their punches. And after the first round, you're like, okay, nothing's really happening here. Then after the second round, it's like, okay, they're getting their yeah. faces are getting nobody ready. wants to back then up. Third round, it's like suddenly you start to see the accumulation of the damage, and that's all it was. Yeah. It was basically five rounds, like less than five rounds, because Robbie scored the knockout a minute into the fifth round. But you're just seeing the accumulation of damage, and we're gonna see who's gonna break first. And yeah. basically, like that shot in the fifth round broke Rory's face. Like Rory's face, basically, like it, it got to a point probably where he all of his senses shut down. Yeah, yeah. And that's like he he just all crumpled. You need. That's all you but need. it's but like just watching that, like, you, you got to go back and watch that one whenever you get a chance because like I you don't appreciate it. it well, sometimes yeah, as like much. watching it in the moment, you're not really getting how it's all happening. But then when you go back and watch it, and you know what the outcome is. Like that's the difference between watching a fight live and watching a fight when you know the outcome. What the outcome is, you can watch, you can see how they're setting it up a lot yeah. more clearly when you know how the outcome. Like especially a fight like that where you remember kind of how it went and you remember that Rory was winning, but then yeah, you kind of score as it goes on. You look yeah. at it differently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I loved rewatching that fight. Like I enjoyed it so much more this time around because I remember the reason why I watched that and a bunch of other rematches recently is I was on a podcast called the Protect Your Neck Podcast, which I would recommend. Uh, Dan Tom, who's like a lifelong martial artist like yourself, he does really intricate breakdowns of each uh, of each bout. And he's usually right on. He usually has a good sense of how these, these matchups are going to go. Does he pick the right winners? A lot of the time he does. He's, he's very good. Um, but... When and he's also very like gun shy when it comes to like Picking saying winners. this, like saying I would bet on this. Okay, but um, like doing the podcast with him, I have to go back and watch tons of rematches because I wanted to have a good list. Yeah, you although to even make sure, even now looking at uh, Alvarez versus Poirier, I probably should have put that on the list because that was a rematch. That that probably should have made my list. Um, I didn't even think about it because I forgot it's there was so a rematch. Old, yeah. Well, the first one was a no contest, right? So it doesn't seem like a legit rematch, right? It was almost like you're running it back. Um, but w- going back and watching Rory versus Robbie, 
and just uh, watching thing, watching it as it like accumulates, and you're like, oh my god, like I, I, I didn't. The range is what I didn't realize didn't when I was watching it. it. I didn't appreciate yeah. the range that basically every strike was them hitting at the end of the strike, end of the strike. You know, like it's not like pocket kind of brawling. Yeah, it's Whereas, good like, long I watched, distance striking. Yeah, that's like good, good long distance snappy. effective. Yep. exactly snapping the head back, accumulating damage, and it's like really a yeah. masterclass in that range. Like if you're gonna teach people that range, just yeah. go back and watch that well, because both of them are having success at that range. Yeah. But that's where you want to be able to hit, slightly step outside, so you're out of it, and then step in and out. So that's where you got to play. A good fighter steps in, attacks, and then when they attack, you step out. And they were that's doing the that. Goal. And they were both doing yeah. that, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it was good. Man, they're high-level strikers, man. Yeah, so, I mean, absolutely. It's the highest level of the championship. You can't out, get right? it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't say it because sometimes you... From a kickboxing perspective, you're like, yeah, why didn't you do this? But mm-hmm. from an MMA perspective, they're the good ones. So I can't yeah. agree with you on that line. On which? That them being that, you know, world titles, the best strikers. Well, they're, I mean, in, good terms of, in terms of the UFC, of the UFC in, in that yeah. division, yeah. Like, I'm, I mean, obviously, in mixed martial arts, yes. you're the highest level as kind of in terms of being well-rounded. Yeah. But, yeah, if you put them against, like, a Muay Thai champion, like, they're yeah. in trouble. Yeah, I just need to make sure. I need to defend my sport. Yeah, no, I hear that. I need that. to defend my sport. I hear that. Come I'm on. not going to debate you on that one. <laughs> I've debated you on some other things, like this Gastelum Adesanya. Yeah. I'd be crazy to, to, to doubt you on that uh, that uh, that statement. Uh, the rest of the card, there's not a ton of great stuff on this card, to be honest, outside of those two. And like those two matchups alone at the top are worth getting this pay-per-view for because Absolutely. they're so good. Like the, These are two of the highest level uh, guys in each division in mixed martial arts. So it's uh, I'll clarify that, <laughs> yeah. but uh, like I mean, if you took the same, if you took guys from wrestling, Olympic wrestlers in the same weight classes, they'd be in trouble. Yeah. But, you know. but like in Adesanya, you can say it, you know, being one of the best strikers well, that's true, in the world. He comes from kickboxing, it comes sure. from it, and he's done well. So he's he's tested himself at the world class at both levels. Absolutely, and he's also boxed, so he's yeah. good at that too. Uh, although it was just in Australia. Uh, Eric Anders against Khalil Roundtree is an interesting one, and I spoke to Eric Anders uh, on our previous podcast, and. Uh, he he says that he's embracing the idea of knowing that it's going to basically be a, a striking match where guys are just going to be throwing power. And I don't know if that's the best plan against Roundtree. Yeah, Roundtree hits hard. And yeah. he, he acknowledged that as well. And he's also moving up a weight class. And uh, I just think that uh, this is one that could go either way, honestly. I'm, I'm not – like if Anders isn't going to mix it up, and he may just be saying that because, like, hey, what happens if Khalil listens? Maybe he's going to think I'm going to engage with him. I think that Anders is the more well-rounded. Yeah. But I think that Roundtree hits like – he hits hard, man. But he knocked uh, out Gokan Saki in like, like yeah. less oh, yeah. than halfway through the first round. Like this guy can, this guy can hit. Yeah, he's scary with the power. But Anders, I mean, his last fight he got hit pretty bad. Didn't well, it's he? him and Elias. You're thinking of the one against Thiago Santos. The yes, one prior to that, yeah. that was. And then he fought uh, Elias. Then he fought Elias. Okay, yeah. I thought he fought Elias. Then he fought. No, it was the opposite. Um, okay, yeah. But Thiago Santos was a problem for him, and but I mean Thiago Santos, man, like he's fighting for the title at two hundred five, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So we're not we're com- we're comparing apples to oranges here, um, because I don't think Roundtree is going to have the same kind of diverse method of attack no. like Santos had. So uh, and Anders took Santos down a couple times, right? So if Anders decides to try to take Khalil down, like he Which could win could this probably fight. Probably a good strategy. I think that's why he's favored by this much, is because I think if Anders implements that game plan, it doesn't just stand. Yeah, he and can't bang just with sit him. there and bang. I mean, maybe one, he can down. because we've seen yeah. Roundtree get knocked down too. But I, I just think that if you know that it's going to be just stand up, the odds get <laughs> a yeah, lot yeah, thinner. Yeah. I think his key is going to be mixing it up. He's going to have to maybe strike, show his wrestling, fatigue some of the, that muscle of Roundtree. Anders told me that uh, in, in that interview that he on fight night against Elias was what did he say he was? He was two twenty three, I think, from one eighty five. He cut the one eighty five was two twenty three on fight night. Elias looks he big forty five pounds or something. That's Elias is pretty big. He probably yeah. puts on twenty. Elias, Elias told me say. what he had put on. No, Elias was uh, a 20. little bit more than that. Yeah, like twenty five or something like that. Yeah, but I don't think that's great to be honest with you. I've changed my mind. I've on recently what? putting that much on. That's not effective at that point. Well, it yeah, just sits I think, over I think your right stomach, you know. It's you get water. Like you'll see a lot of guys get uh, so ripped, and then all of a sudden the water's just hanging superficial. So you see it subcutaneous under the skin, and all of a sudden you see it really like jelloey. Like that slows but you didn't down. You think Pettis looked a little bit like that. Pettis looked a little bit like that. I thought, like I brought it up with Darren Till. Darren Till looked like the the water was kind of like over, yeah. like he had like a swelling issue. You know what I mean? So I, I don't love the idea of, and it's more strain on the body, more stress, and it's not functional. Just mm-hmm. because you have more water sitting around your stomach that's floating around in your arms, it's just, it's not nice to so me. So you think that if you like walk around at 225, you should be fighting at 205 and not 185? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. I, I mean, if you do a good cut, I think a good recovery that's safe, 
you should be cutting no more than 10 to 12 pounds the week of, you know of what, water though? and then rehydrate max, max, max 20 pounds. I'll disagree with you, though, on one front. I think that a lot of it has to do with style. Like, I think that if Elias fought at 205, he'd have a lot more trouble with those opponents than he w- would at 185. I think his style is just more conducive to 185. Yeah. No, I think it's great that he's fighting. I wouldn't say go to 205. Yeah. I think it's more of don't focus so much on getting so big on after the weigh-in. Yeah. You know, like for my world title fight, I was actually smaller than I ever was because I didn't want to blow it up because I knew I had to go five rounds and I didn't want that extra water on me that's going to slow me down, make me heavier. I got to go five rounds against, you know, and win a world title. So to have that extra weight on me, I didn't love it. So I came in leaner. I cut less weight and I rehydrated. I've I've rehydrated before over 20 pounds. I didn't love it. I felt more tired. I felt heavier. I didn't feel as quick. I didn't love it. But I mean, some guys... It's a confidence thing for, for guys where they're like, I put on 25 yeah, I'm gonna so pounds. I'm going to be so much bigger. It's, it's just a, a psychological thing. But I think it, a, after 20 pounds, man, you got to start thinking it might be a little bit too much. Elias thinks of it from a very scientific perspective from what I've spoken to him. Like he knows well, exactly how to re, what to, yes, to rehydrate the best know way. It, but yeah, I mean, yeah. our body is made saying. certain ways. Like yeah. they say, ideally, they say you shouldn't cut more than 10 to 12 pounds. They say for um, every hour of recovery you have, you, there's certain numbers. But... The more you do, it's as much scientific as it is. It's not great for the body. Um, the next matchup is uh, Alan Joban versus Dwight Grant. And uh, Joban looked good in his last fight. I think it was against Ben Saunders. But uh, Dwight Grant, if there's anybody that you could say had, like, octagon jitters in his first fight, it was, it was Dwight Grant. He fought Zach Otto to a split decision where really nothing happened for the whole fight. And then he fought Carlo Pedersoli, got a knockout at 459. Crazy knockout. Um, but he'll be up against Joban, who's a step up in competition. Uh, Joban now 37 years of age. So that, which surprised me. Joban totally. being older than me makes me feel great. He, he looks great. Yeah. yeah I've so. actually, a lot of people would, would come up to me and ask me, like, oh, like you kind of remind me of him. I guess, I don't know. That's a, well, he's Do a model. You see something like that? I don't know. Joban's Do a model, man. You should take that as a compliment. I know. I did. I'm like, he's a good looking guy. Yeah. He's in good shape. Is that what they're talking about? Competing? Maybe they have fighting style or just looks? No, uh, no looks. More oh. looks and personality, I guess. Well, there you go. You should become a model, Joe. Yeah. Uh, Dwight Grant. Maybe I am, Aaron. What are you saying? Maybe. I'm not. I've well, done a few know. modeling gigs in my days. Maybe it w- I haven't seen them, so I don't know. Okay. Should bring in some, bring in some photos. All right. We'll, well, I'll assess them. And maybe see, <laughs> see if I can change what your facial, there you uh, go. yeah, your facial expression is. So Dwight Grant also on uh, the older edge for a guy that's considered a prospect in the UFC. He's 34, um, but uh, trains at AKA. Really good fighter, and uh, I think this is his fight to lose. But it's even money, and um, that's probably about where it should be, given the fact that Joe Bands are pretty good in terms of strategy. Yeah. But before his last fight, I believe Joban got knocked out pretty bad too. Uh, yeah. Well, who was that against? I don't remember who it was. It but was I remember Nico him. Price. Yeah, that yeah. was a bad one. And I remember being like, I don't know his age. Is he going to bounce back from it? But it seems like Joban is going to be a good guy that's going to transition well to the commentary and, and that kind of like thing. That for sure. If he wants to. I bet you he doesn't. I mean, maybe he does. But at that age, his record being sixteen and six, is he a, a, a potential contender? Probably not. So he'll probably get some good fights, keep building his his stock, and then move over to the TV because he's made for it. Yeah, for sure. And then we've got uh, Krilov versus OSP, and this is even money, which surprises me too because I think, I mean, OSP not only has a win over Krilov, but I think OSP's better pretty much everywhere. Maybe not in the power striking department, but uh, this is going to be an interesting one because uh, Krilov will have that mental, you know, mental note in his head that he's lost to this guy already. Yeah. OSP despite getting dropped by uh, Dominic Reyes in the last fight, he's looked pretty good in recent years. Yeah. I was a little disappointed because I was excited for the Misha Serkinov versus OSP right, fight. Right, yeah. That, so and I was Serkinov a little disappointed I didn't see that. Or, uh, sorry, uh, OSP, OSP had to pull pulled out. out. Yeah. And I mean, because then Misha had to get Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker yeah. which is on the streak, the momentum. But and it's uh, also a tougher matchup than OSP. Yeah. And a guy that's not ranked, right? So it's like it's, yeah. it's a double whammy. Yeah. So I wish um, that OSP-Misha fight happened, but... Yeah, so um, that's this is an interesting one because, like, Krilov has had a lot of hype, but he hasn't really delivered, in my opinion. But I think his striking should be a little bit better than OSP, uh, at least his power striking and his combos. But OSP has that that range that he's really good at using. Yeah, and it's like stiff power. It's not loose. He's not going to set it up. It's more of that stiffness, and it does well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he hits you, I mean, you're out, but... Yeah, yeah. So that's a good one. And then uh, Jalen Turner against Matt Favola. Turner was my pick on the uh, the last uh, show where we did our picks. Your pick was uh, Adesanya. We're gonna make our picks at the end of the show. Um, we've got Jalen Turner's eight and four. Uh, but he uh, he again he made his debut against Vicente Luque, and that was uh, 
at 170 pounds. Then he got to move back down to 155, which is his weight class. And he had a, a first round finish against Kalen Potter in the first minute of the fight. So I think that the fact that this is going to be contested at, uh, at lightweight is, is obviously way better for Turner because that's his natural weight class. And I think that he's just a better fighter, even though Favola is 6-1-1. The Steamroller Favola, one of the better nicknames in the sport. That is nice. But, uh, you know, he lost a, uh, sorry, there was a, a draw against Lando Venata last time and a, a one-minute one knockout to Polo Reyes. So his, uh, his UFC tenure hasn't been phenomenal. I mean, the fight against Venata, I think he looked really good. But uh, I, I like Jalen Turner in this one for, for whatever reason. You got to go with your gut. Uh, and then, a pre- then we got uh, another prelim fight, Flyweights, Pantoja versus Wilson Hayes. As the Lord of the Flyweights continued. We'll see who will be removed from Flyweight Island. Right now, the top 15 in the Flyweight rankings, everybody outside of that are it's not gone. in the UFC. Yeah. Like, I've, somebody has sent me what the, the pool is for the rankings, and uh, they're, just, they're not in the UFC. They're not like, there. So, so if any of these guys lose and get whatever removed from the rankings, there's going to be somebody in the rankings that is not in the UFC. That's not there. Yeah. yeah. Pretty sad. What do sad you think state of, of affairs. But Pantoja's had a lot of hype around him, hasn't he? He has, um, but I think he, he lost to Dustin Ortiz, was it? That was last year. Okay, so he's had two wins since then. He has a win over uh, Brandon Moreno and a win over Uka Sasaki. And Wilson they, Hayes this is coming off a, a loss too, right? I think so, but this is going to be a, such a chess match. These are basically two identical fighters, guys that are both really good with submissions, okay strikers. Uh, actually, no, sorry. Uh, Wilson Hayes is coming off a win over Ben Wynn. Win over win. It was a, a split hit, decision, hit a, yeah. I think. It was a close one. No, I, I think that was a unanimous decision. Uh, yeah, unanimous might... decision. But he had lost three in a row before that. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so, uh, but this is just one where I think that it's just a very similar matchup. I, I'd have trouble making a pick on this one. Um, looking at the odds, Pantoja's minus 175. So I'd probably go with Haste just because I think that it's one of these matchups where it could go either way. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of a coin toss. Uh, and then you've got Max Griffin versus the newcomer Zalim Imadayev. I don't know much about Imadayev, so I don't have uh, a lot to say UFC about this. He doesn't even have a picture of him. Yeah, I'm on topology. They've got pictures of all these all these individuals, but uh, yeah, no picture there. He's a newcomer, undefeated, uh, and undefeated people with undefeated records this year in the UFC have a losing record. And I think, and it's a Russian name, so I mean, you got to think if he's coming from a Russian style background, this, the Russians have been having a lot of success. So yeah, but sometimes that's a name value thing. Like his last opponent was 16 and eight. The opponent before that nine and eight. The opponent before that zero zero and zero. And what's his and overall oh. record? He's eight no. But like, if you look at the people he's been against, they're they're like they're cans. He's a can yeah. crusher. But this is what I, I've had this actual conversation this morning with one of my fighters. Okay, and we're talking about like we got offered a fight. He's two and zero in pro MMA right now, and he got offered a guy who's six and six. Okay, and we're like, and he's like, yeah, let's go. I was like, hold on a second. Yeah, like, yeah. Hold, hold the phone. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I get excited too because I want him to fight, but I'm like, why take that risk? Yeah. I mean, my career, I just took any fight, anywhere, anytime. It worked out for me. But, I mean, if I were to go back, let's play chess a little bit with the game. So I don't mind. I told my guy, do you want to go through a guy who has 12 fights? Even though he's 6-6, six and six, yeah. that's 12 fights of experience based on your two. And you're a kickboxer. So I don't like it. I'd rather you, if we go to the UFC, are they going to remember this guy was 6-6 six and six and we had a tough fight and maybe yeah, we lose lost, or maybe yeah. we lost? If you we lose to a 6-6 six six guy and they look at that on your yeah. record, they might just I'd you I'd rather you, you fight someone more close to your experience. I'd rather get you 8-0 so it's more, it looks better for the UFC than you going through wars for a couple hundred thousand bucks. And not, who knows what you're making? But, I mean, save those big fights, the wars, the risks for the bigger names, the bigger fights. It's, it's a game of chess now. So, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. I said it's ultimately up to you, but I don't think those fights are worth it. God, I like that mentality. Yeah. I think you've got to preserve your shelf life, and you've got to— I mean, Save you do it have for to, some money. And you should pad your record with good, good quality opponents. Yeah. Like, a win is, is not a quality win unless you're beating a quality opponent. Now, this guy, like I said, Imadayev, he just hasn't fought. He's fought cans, like 16 and 8. Not but, the sixteen eight is a can. I mean, that's still a good fighter. A but nine fights, and eight, zero and zero, two and zero, zero and zero, zero and zero, zero and two, zero and two. But look where it got him. He's in the right? UFC now. Yeah. If he fought notice. bigger names, if he fought that the ten and zero guys, he maybe, maybe would he have loses. lost. And then he's not here. Yeah. And then the UFC doesn't that's like true. eight and two, right? Yeah. You, you do have to look at those things though. Like yeah. that Nick uh, Negriamu guy was a big favorite. The guy from Romania, I forget who he was against recently, but he comes in the UFC, big favorite. He's like, whatever, 12-0. and 0. And then you look at the guys he's fought, and the combined record is like 36-84 and like one or something. Yeah, but it got him to the show. He got him to the show, but he lost. Yeah. Right? So, but but well, I'd rather lose on no, the no. show than I, I'd rather I get that, lose but what I'm saying other. is if you look at the odds of this one, you got Max Griffin's an underdog against this guy. 
Like you gotta keep these things in mind. Yeah. Like an yeah. undefeated record is just uh, eight no looks shiny. It's like a, a yeah. nice new car, but if the car's got no engine, That's you don't want to drive it. Absolutely, because you can't drive it. It's got no engine, Joe. Yeah. All yeah. right, let's continue. We got uh, Boston Salmon versus uh, Khalid Taha. Again, two guys I don't know too much about. I gotta go back and watch the tape on them. I because the event's not this Saturday, I haven't had a chance to go back. And, uh, and watch these things. Although, if you're listening to this on Monday, maybe it is this Saturday. But at the time of this recording, it's not. Uh, Bilal Muhammad versus Curtis Millinder. This is a really good one. Now, Millinder's coming off of a recent loss to Zaleski Dos Santos. Uh, got finished in that one. Taking this fight on short notice against Bilal Muhammad. Um, I, I like Millinder a lot in this Me one. Too. And, and, the, and Millinder's Me an underdog too. here. Um, so too. that surprises me. And I don't know if he's an Me underdog too. because of the short notice. But it's, uh, it's worth a look. Yeah, I like Millinder. Tough, big, strong. Yeah, and he's rangy and knows how to use the range. Now, yeah. Millinder, when he fought Zaleski Dos Santos, I liked Zaleski a lot in that one. I thought that the odds were way off, and uh, that proved to be true. But now that he's taking another step down in competition, not to say that Bilal Muhammad is not a very good fighter. He's a, he's a very, very good oh, fighter. really good. I just think that from a matchup perspective, Millinder's got a lot of advantages here. And I think that that's, that's how I'm going to look at Millinder fights going forward, is just matchups. Because Millinder's the type of guy that can be a nightmare matchup for some and can be a, a terrible match. Like, he'll have a terrible matchup against different types of guys. So... Uh, I like Millinder there. Uh, Andre Sukumtot versus Montel Jackson. Now, Montel Jackson, in his last fight, looked like a wrecking machine. And I think that going against this guy right now, while he's got that momentum, he, he finished Kelleher in like the first two minutes of their fight. Lost to Ricky Simone in, the first, uh, in his first one. But now that we've seen what Ricky Simone has done since then, that's not a bad loss. Uh, and Sukumtot has showed... Very low fight IQ. I mean, that, yeah, that I loss that he had against yeah, yeah O'Malley was not good. And then he beat Jonathan Martinez, who, uh, like, if you look back at what Martinez had done outside the UFC, he was another one of these guys that didn't have a very high quality. Like, he, he beat a 5-6 and six guy to get into the UFC, right? He, he does have a recent win now, Martinez. He beat uh, Luigi Beren. But, uh, yeah, so, so I think Sukumtot's a good fighter, but I think he's going to be outmatched in this one. Like with that much of a, a difference on the, on the line, I think so. I think that I think that line is actually justified. I think Montel Jackson is one of these really good up and coming prospects in the sport. How old is Montel Jackson actually? Twenty six. So I think he's a guy that you got to keep an eye on. Uh, Pollyanna Pollyanna Botelho, who's coming off a loss to Cynthia Calvillo against Lauren Mueller now, uh, or Lauren Muller. I don't know if it's Mueller or Muller. Probably Muller, like the Muller report. But uh, Lauren Muller, I thought looked great on uh, the Dana White Contender Series, but she's coming off a pretty bad loss of her own to uh, Wu Yanan, where she was a really big favorite, if I recall. She was a minus 385 favorite and lost uh, via armbar to uh, a newcomer, whereas Botelio was a pretty big, was, uh, I think she was a favorite over Calvillo, and that was a, a shock to me because I know how good Calvillo is. So she's going to be in a bounce-back spot, but if you look at Botelio, like, she's got a lot of first-round wins, finishes, uh, she not finished Siuri Kondo in her UF in her uh, second UFC fight in 33 seconds in the first round, but got choked out by Calvillo. She was a, a pretty big favorite in that fight, and uh, I'm uh, looking at the line here, and she's a, a moderate favorite against Mueller, which makes sense. But I, I think Mueller's a really good up and comer, so this is one of the ones where I have trouble picking. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. really sure which side to go with. And then you've got Brandon Davis against Randy Costa. I don't know much about Randy Costa. He's another short notice guy, four and zero out of New England. Quality of win. The last guy he beat is 0 and 1. 5 and 9, 0 and 1, 0 and 0, and 0 and 4. So he's got the overall records of his opponents are 5 and 14. And these yeah. are the guys getting into the UFC. Maybe you should tell your guy to fight that 6 and 6. That's guy, a, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> On think second thought. Uh, we got to get him, though. I yeah. need him 8 and 0. So let's get him 8 and 0. Yeah. So this guy's 4 and 0 against Brandon Davis, who's 9 and 6. Brandon Davis is the guy that, that fought as a beat pretty tough, actually, until he got, uh, he got knee barred. But. Uh, that's uh, that was the Sulo. Was that the Sulo I've stretched? I think. Let me see. Was that UFC the one in Dallas? No, the one in uh, California. I don't remember. Yeah, it was. Sorry, it was the one in Dallas. And that was the where Zabit got him with that Sulo I've stretched right after Aljamain had the same finish like yeah, forty five yeah, right minutes after. previous. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what to say, but I do know that Randy Costa's record does look pretty padded. I don't know how good he is or where he's. Where's this guy training? Let's see. Let's take a look. See. Training at oh he's training with Joe Lozon so that's so that means he's getting good yeah, training. Lozon's yeah. picking up. Uh, I think what, Rob Fonts with Lozon as yeah. well, right? Yeah, yeah. Lozon's I've, got a lot of good guys. In, yeah, in it's his really been stable. growing. I've been I've been following a few guys uh, on Instagram. They've been looks impressive over there. Yeah, so that's important to note. Like when you're looking at that, like where's this Imadayev guy? He says that he's training in like Moscow, um, and doesn't even say what gym he's associated with. So, like. When you see that a guy's training with Lozon, you know that he's got good training, even though his record is padded. Yeah, yeah. You just know that he's going to be getting good work day after day. For sure. So those are the kind of things you got to take a look at. He's an underdog, but uh, 
regardless of that, that's uh, that's that is what it is. Quick quick sidetrack. You mentioned Shane O'Malley. Where is he? He he got uh, a USADA violation, which ended up being a tainted supplement, and he's eligible to to go. And I think he's probably going to be added to that uh, international fight. Because I mean, we had so much hype around him, and then we haven't heard a thing in months. Yeah, that's the problem with. I think that's a big issue that we have in the UFC is, like, you need to stay relevant. Like, Paulo Costa is another example. Like you That's what Connor's doing as yeah. much as we hated it. But yeah, but I'm, what I mean is, relevant. like, you just got to stay active. You got to stay relevant. You got to keep your name out there. And yeah. I think O'Malley's still a guy that people are going to resonate with, but you got to strike while the iron's yeah, hot. Because I haven't heard a thing, and I follow and I read almost everything, and I still haven't heard anything. Yeah, from what I last heard, they're targeting a summer return, like, probably during International Fight Week. So uh, that's that's the last I heard with O'Malley. Um, all right, let's make our, our second pick. So our first pick from uh, the last show, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you had Adesanya at minus 170, and I had uh, Jalen Turner minus 135. So let's go. Do, do you have your pick? Do you I did. Go? You kind of ruined it a little bit, hyping it up, but I actually wanted the Millinder. I okay. want Curtis Millinder. All right, cool. Because I've bet against him in the past, and he's always done well for me. So um, let's do it. Well, Joe, there's, there's one way for me to be able to get traction on you, okay, and that's to go. fade your pick. So I'm going to go with Kelvin Gastelum at plus 150 Ooh. against Adesanya. Okay, I like I it. I like Gastelum a lot in that one. I think that's like it. a tough matchup uh, for Adesanya. So well, one we of, go. Head one to of head. us, yeah. So one of us is going to uh, <laughs> take a is going to is going to get some sort of traction here. You're either going to like be lapping me, right. or I'm going to be catching up a little bit. So let's go that's with it. it. And the loser's buying the Tim Hortons coffee. I should change my other pick to Bilal Muhammad, but I'm not going to do that. I like Miller a lot in that one. <laughs> we might get on some big beef here, Aaron. Yeah. Well, that's a good way for me to chip away at you, though. But it's also a good way for you to get way ahead of me, right? Yeah. Remember, look at those things. I might be a sensitive guy over here. Yeah, exactly. Sensitive fighter angry. over here. I might yeah. be going inappropriate on Twitter later. Start calling you out. Joe, I'm going to beat you in this competition. It's the words you That's hate it. hearing. <laughs> now, now you're going to get really competitive. Really you're going to start watching tape. Set, yeah. You're going to start watching tape on Randy Costa and find, like, notice something that I don't know. Um, all right, so... Uh, that's it for us. Joe, thanks for uh, doing this. This is great. Um, when's your next glory? So you're, that's in, so that's we're in going, May, uh, right? May 17th. Okay, so you're we're back in Holland. Yeah, we're back in Holland. Um, so, yeah, uh, going there is our favorite place. we got two world title fights. So we're excited. Alex Pereira taking on Jason Wilness. And Jason Wilness was... Uh, that's a good one. But Jason Wilness was the last guy to beat Adesanya at glory. So, I mean, that's a, a big thing while we're talking about Adesanya. And Pereira beat him twice. And Pereira beat him twice. Only so we got to see him. those guys. Yeah. So we'll get to see those guys in action, which will be fun. And then, um, yeah, we have Sitachai versus Marak Gregorian. They're fighting for the fifth time. Wow. That's how high level these two guys are. And the, the last fight was in China. Are these one of these really guys close. where it's like good matchups all the time that they just like throwing them together because they know it's going to be a, like a no, it's just hit? the They're just sitting at the top. A lot of the lightweight contenders are young kids, and they've had their crack at the champ, which is Sitachai, and they just got outclassed. And Gregorian is one of the only guys he'll probably, they just sit at the top. So that's why they fought so many times in, in the past. Um, I'm also leaving tomorrow. I go to California. I'm going to do a coach's seminar at the CSA gym. So nice. I'll be there. And then I come home for a few days and then TKO Montreal. Malcolm right. Gordon retains the title. That's what you think is going to happen. That's your prediction. I know. So he's trained with me. Come <laughs> yeah, on. There you go. It's a good prediction. A solid yeah, prediction. confidence. We so got this. From here, seven straight weeks. Of uh, UFC action uh, mm -hmm. from starting at UFC 236. The next off date is the uh, last weekend in May. May 25th will be the uh, the next and, off. And week. I know we've like I mean you haven't, but I've complained. It's too much. It's too this. Now if there's no UFC on a weekend, I'm like, what now? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna exactly. do? Exactly. I've got a Saturday, and it usually works out where it's like all the like I had a birthday dinner that just passed, and it had to be during the fights. But then now when there's nothing on, I have no events, so now I want a UFC. I think I'm going to watch Infinity Wars with my son yeah. this weekend. He's excited about the new one, Endgame, and he hasn't seen Infinity Wars. But we're worried that the, uh, spoiler alert here, uh, the ending of the, did you watch the last one, Infinity Wars? No, I don't okay. even know what it is. Uh, the Avengers movie, the last Avengers movie. I'm not into those kind of movies. Okay, well, the, we're worried that the ending of the, the previous one is going to uh, yeah. is going to make him distraught, but whatever. Yeah. He's probably right. heard about it from his friends. His friends tell him everything already, so okay. I don't know. You excited for it? You get into it because he's into it or Uh yeah, you know, like I, I like the comic movies, but like yesterday the website crashed for people trying to buy tickets to Endgame. I'm not one of those people. I don't need to see it right away. Right away, yeah. I I, I didn't see that one in theaters. That being said, I can't Did remember. Did your son the... want to though? Was he all into it seeing? Yeah, it? he oh, he loves superhero movies. He loves all that stuff. He's going to like a Dungeons and Dragons camp this uh nice. this summer. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. Are you doing any kickboxing camps this summer for kids? No, I haven't done I haven't got into that yet. You guys just plan those. Why not? I, I, I plan on Do it. Do you guys have I a mean, lot of kids that come to your gym? Do you have kids classes? No, we don't have kids programs oh, at all. 
all. There you go. So never mind. Because, don't, do, uh, don't do a kids camp. <laughs> we start. The gym opens at 4 p.m. Okay. And yeah. We have three main training areas, and they're all full all the time. Wow. So, okay. I mean, yeah. So I mean, we just don't have the space uh, to do it, but. In the next three to five years, Bazooka Kickboxing is going to probably find its own new location. We'll hopefully have two levels where I can do a kids program. I, I like working with kids. I mean, I have a background in teaching kids, so I like to kind of start kids when they're young. I'd be great at making martial arts fun, having these kids learn. So I think it'd be a, a good program for these kids in the future. But it's in my plan when I get a little older, once things start slowing down with the commentating and my own training and cornering guys and seminars, it'll happen eventually. I like that you have a vision map, Joe. Always. Mm-hmm. A vision board. I got a vision board. That's what vision board. <laughs> You got to get them. They're good. It's good. It's good to think ahead. Yeah. Even with my fighters, I mean, I ask my guys in uh, the beginning of the year, I need to know your goals. Our goals have to align. If I'm thinking you're going to go to the UFC and you're going to be 10-0 and this year and you think you're only going to be 3-0 and this year, we got to match. We got to put our goals together, create that energy, and uh, the positivity will happen. All right. There you go. Lately for me, my fun has been shooting, tactical shooting. So I really? go to like the shooting range. I've gone out to Trenton and I've learned how to do transitions from rifle shooting to, to nine millimeter pistol shooting. I'm learning how to holster. Um, I have a course in April that's called IDPA, which is the International Defense Pistol Association. So you do like situations where it's like, okay, you have you got to shoot two people, don't shoot the hostage, pull your buddy out, rip around the corner, shoot two targets, unload. So you're learning how to do like tactical shooting. For me, it's another form of combat and it's fun. All right, that's cool. I didn't realize you were into that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's good. just started. I'll show you a video now. All right, cool. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see Joe's video, so we've got to go. We, go. we got a jet. We'll be crazy. back uh, next week. We've got, uh, what's the next card? It's, uh, I think it's the Russian card that they just announced a new main event for. So uh, what am I looking at here? I think it's the, let's see. I think it's St. Petersburg. Let me double check that, though. That's a place I'd like to visit. I'm hoping Glory goes to Russia. Russia. I would love to yeah, go to so Russia. Next, next one, St. Petersburg, Russia. It's supposed to be Volkov versus Overeem, and they just announced a new main event because uh, Volkov had to pull out, so it's oh. now going to be Alexei Olenek versus uh, Overeem. Nice. So that's a good match. I actually like that matchup better because yeah, it's more it's nice. interesting. And uh, I just don't see a way that Olenek's going to be able to beat Overeem. Like, can no. you, I can't picture anything. I mean, unless he gets some sort of crazy submission, but how many times has Overeem been submitted? Like, Overeem's actually an underrated grappler. Usually when Overeem loses, it's a knockout. So uh, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, but, I can't remember any time he's been submitted. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in that. I want to see. So Alistair Overeem, how many losses does he have by sub? I mean, he has fought the Nogueras and stuff in pride, if I'm not mistaken. So that's always uh, a way of losing by submission. So he's got one loss by submission out of all of his losses. Wow. And Yeah. Who was that to? Let's take and a look. And that was see. that pre-UFC? It would have been pride, if I had to guess, against one of the Nogueras. No, it was against Ricardo Arona. Arona so against used the, to be amazing. Yeah, against Nogueras, he got knocked out, him. actually, against Nogueras. Yeah. I love the Arona. Uh, yeah, Ricardo Arona. Ricardo Arona. Pride, yeah. Pride Final Conflict Absolute. I used to September love watching 10th, 2006. him. Yeah, I loved watching him. All right. Did you watch, like, how early did you start watching combat sports? Like, like uh, mixed martial arts? I or, was like, watching UFC 1 on VHS tape. But, when, like, when, though? Right when it happened? Like, around the time it happened or no? Yeah. Oh, wow. Right okay. away. We used to have, like, old kickboxing, and, like, kickboxing was huge at that time. Yeah, So I'd I watch, like, the Iceman and Johnny Terrio and, like, and then... Um, I used to watch it, too, and I had no idea what yeah. I was watching. I, I just didn't know the, yeah, just, the cultural relevance it. of it. I liked pro wrestling, and then whenever I saw... Like, I used to watch the early UFCs before I got into the UFC yeah. now, and I was like, what is this? No, like, I was watching it so at the paced. time. You have to remember, when I was really, really young, the uh, my like my sister's boyfriend, who's the father of my uh, niece and nephew, mm-hmm. is uh, a pioneer of Canadian MMA, yeah. Richard Monkey Nanku. Mm-hmm. So he was His fighting before is, is UFC was best popular. Sister. Bobby? Yeah, Bobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> literally, it's... I got that from a young age. Like, I, right from day one, he was doing MMA, and I was like, what is this? I would go to Shaw Franco's basement and see these guys. This was, um, he was the IFC. People probably don't even remember the. Yeah, of course. That's the IFC. team one, right? Uh, no, that was, um, there was, uh, that was, that wasn't the team wasn't one. Wasn't Shamrocks one the IFC? That the was like the teams? You were on teams? Yeah, but was that IFC? Yeah, yeah, I think that was IFC. But originally, there was one called IFC. Okay, I'm going to look it up. And then there was called UCC. And then uh, that's where he fought Mark Hominick. He fought, um, it was called IFC, one of the original ones. Okay. I'm gonna, uh, how do you spell Richard's last name? N-A-N-C-O-O. Oh, okay. So I'm spelling it way off. Okay. Uh, all right. So, and, and this would be on his record? It was MMA? I would think so, yeah. 
It should the be. U- oh, IFC, yeah. Okay, this is a different it IFC. It was the original I IFC. He became the champion there. And if you look at if you look at the card. International Fighting Championship. Yeah. Okay. If you look at yeah, the lots card, of, lots of stunts watch on this card. the UFC's names on that. Yeah, like, the janitor, Vladimir Matsushenko, against yeah. Travis Fulton. 254, 54, and 10 record. Yeah. At least now it is. I don't know yeah. what it was then. But Jeremy Horn was on it. Christoph Medu, who trains with yeah. the GS, trains I think GSP. Even UCC days had Sean Shirk and like a lot of the other big names. Oh, interesting. That yeah, ever came is, up. Uh, let me, I'm actually, I'm going to go down the Richard Nanku uh, rabbit hole right here. So let's see. IFC 7, Cage Combat. No, that was the one I was, oh, no, that wasn't that. That's another one with Matthew Shanko. Yeah, it's interesting. Travis Fulton was on this one as well. Yeah, so you're right. It's like a lot of the early, the like pioneers. Yeah. I mean, UCC, that's where, like, a young 19-year-old Mark Hominick came out of there, mm-hmm. which I'm excited to. I'm going to actually be cornering with him at the TKO card. Yeah, you mentioned that. Me, that's Hominick, good. Sam Stelt, Chris Hordesky. Like, I get to hang out with and get to be with some of those guys and learn and be yeah. fun. A lot of these are multiple uh, people fighting multiple times a night. And Jeremy Horn twice. Travis uh, Loazo was the champion. David oh, was he at IFC? Okay. Uh, you had all of them fight out of there. Yeah, I was thinking of the IFC, the Shamrock. Yeah, there the was. Yeah, Do you remember yeah. that one? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, right from that early age, like, we were watching Pancrase tapes. We were watching so many old school things. I didn't even know what I was watching at the time. So, we had all these VHSs that we used to watch and studies. He was my big, you know, role model I look up to. So, we used to go train together, do jujitsu, and, man, it was just, uh, I learned young. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Yeah, I was so I watched go. from early, like early. How old was he when uh, him and your sister were dating? Like when did you meet him? Oh, I was maybe seven years old. Okay, so you were six very years young. old. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how old, and how much older is he than you? Uh, ten years. Okay, so yeah, so he was like sixteen. He was probably pretty well versed by that yeah. time. Yeah, and that's when I first met him. And then at that point, he was a black belt in Taekwondo, and I was a black belt in Taekwondo. So mm-hmm. then we kind of bonded. And then he would just uh, see him do his thing. But I remember being from a young kid, being seeing him at my niece's confirmations and first communions. Him with glasses because he would just has fought. Like he fought Miguel Torres, busted his nose. <laughs> so then he's at the. Uh, at the communion with glasses on. I was like, yeah, I remember those days and yeah, I had to do those. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, so I, I got exposed to the top and good quality training and from a young age. Yeah. So, I mean, when UFC 1 happened, you were probably like, very, very young, though, right? Like, it was, what, 93? Something like so that. So, 8 years 25, old? Yeah, 25 years old, 93. But I remember, yeah. I was a black belt at Taekwondo at that time, so okay. I was heavily invested into martial arts. Right. Okay. So, at 7 years old, even at that time, my instructor was doing jiu-jitsu and wrestling, and so I... From right from that age, I was into it. I was absorbed. All right. Well, there you are, Joe. That's, that's, uh, that's a good story. That's the uh, the origin story of a young Joe. There we we'll, go. We'll continue. We'll get into Joe's teenage years in the next episode. That's it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, enjoy UFC 236. We'll recap it on uh, next week's show or uh, when, whenever we get back. I don't know when this is going out, if it's Friday, Monday, whatever. We'll figure it out. But uh, enjoy. And uh, until then, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time to uh, preview UFC St. Petersburg and recap UFC 236. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.